I'm not sure who coined this phrase, France, Africa. Generally speaking, people, instead of saying French colonialism, they say France, Africa. I mean, a, a colonial association between France and Africa. Everyone goes like that. And then every mobilization in Africa, uh, particularly electoral elections, uh, most of the Africans are demanding that France Africa must end, that relationship must end. You're listening to Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3. Uhuru! My name is Brendan McCoy, and I am the host today for White Lies Shattered, a series of the podcast Reparations in Action, produced by the African People's Solidarity Committee, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party, led by Chairman Amali Yeshatela, and organizing for reparations to African people. Reparations in Action is honored to be broadcast on Black Power 96.3 FM, whose studios are in the Uhuru House in St. Petersburg, Florida. Black Power 96 Radio works not just to explain the world, but to change it. You can get the app for Black Power 96 on Google Play or the Apple App Store and listen wherever you are located. Reparations in Action is biased on the side of the African and oppressed peoples. We stand in full solidarity with the right of all colonized people to gain their independence and exercise self-determination, including the Palestinian people and African indigenous people inside the borders of the U.S. and around the world. We believe reparations to African people is one of the most important questions of our times and is one that demands action on the part of European or white people. We salute Chairman Amalia Shetela and the African People's Socialist Party for leading the African revolution and developing the theory of African internationalism, the theory and worldview of the African working class that guides the African revolution and which we credit for all of the understandings and analysis provided on this podcast. This week, we have the honor to have with us Luezi Kinshasa, the Secretary General General of the African Socialist International, who will be talking to us about the struggle in the Sahel region of Africa, its proximity and relationship to the current struggle of the Palestinian people, and why we need to be educated on this critical issue. With me today is Penny Hess, Chair of the African People's Solidarity Committee. Uhuru, Chairwoman Penny. Uhuru, Brendan. It's so great to be here. Thank you so much for that introduction. And it is a great honor to have with us Louise Kinshasa, who, as you said, is the Secretary General of the African Socialist International and who is a member of the African People's Socialist Party based in London, Uhuru, Secretary General Uwezi, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, uh, comrades, uh, it's so great uh, to be invited by uh, the uh, African People's Solidarity uh, Committee uh, leadership, uh, Chairwoman Penius, and also Comrade uh, Brendan. It's a really big honor just to be part of the uh, counteroffensive uh, initiated by Chairman Maricela. Uh, and here we're doing what some people refer to the media war. Uh, so I just want to say thank you so much for having me uh, once more. Or thank you, um, thank you again. And you know, just to say first of all uh, that we are really excited to be able to have an African internationalist analysis of what is going on in the Sahel region you know, in Africa, and of course, its relationship to occupied Palestine. And we, as always, salute Chairman Omalia Shetela, whose understandings of the of, of African internationalism and what he has termed the colonial mode of production just, just shines so much scientific light on on the world, the whole world, and, and seeing how to understand it. So first of all, Secretary General Wazy, I would like you to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you live now, and what is the African Socialist International and your role as the Secretary General? Yes, uh, 
for people who don't know, uh, but of course, most Africans want to check your name. They might guess where you're from. Uh, I was born uh, uh, in the Congo. Uh, that would be uh, a uh, two years, you know, a year after assassination of Patricia Mumbai. I was assassinated in 1961, so I was born in 1962, uh, but at the end of the year. And uh, my life, basically, as uh, the life of uh, most of the Africans who grew up in the Congo from that time, uh, was dominated by the power of Mobutu. Mobutu was the guy that was put in power by the CIA, by the United States government, by uh, John Kennedy, the Democrat leader, uh, because he had a chance to stop the assassination of the Mobutu, but he didn't. And, uh, and of course, he was assassinated in 63. So, as you know, John Kennedy, the one who came after, uh, is that Johnson? Uh, 65. Mm-hmm. But Mobutu was between the two. Mobutu came to power in a two-process uh, uh, operation. First, to assassinate uh, Lumumba, so he become he became the most influent uh, personality in the Congo. And then they gave him the green light to go and capture power for himself in '65. And uh, so, when I was uh, uh, by the time I was a teenager, uh, the Congo was in a crisis. Uh, the currency was down. The economy was down. Everybody. I uh, remember after the famous uh, the rumble in the jungle, uh, Muhammad Ali versus uh, George Foreman. That was the last memory, or you could you could might say good memory my generation had. After that, everything went bad. I mean, the, everything, the economy, hardship. I begin to see for the first time poverty uh, with my uh, my teenager consciousness. I go to the football match, I sit down. I said, wow, these guys in the, in the football match in the stadium, they're so skinny. You know, something I didn't see before, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it before. Mosquitoes, they came from nowhere. You watch, you're outside your, your home, it's like 5 p.m., mosquitoes are on you. That's something I didn't experience before. So, you know, and of course, there was the war in Angola, uh, then the United States were funding. So all these factors uh, created an atmosphere of... Um, of crisis, uh, we found the end. Mobutu himself starts speaking of a crisis. And he was saying the crisis we are in is an international crisis. It's not just the Congo crisis, it's an international crisis. That's the first time I heard that Mobutu saying that in his speeches. So for us, the young people, the youth of the time, uh, living in Congo became an option. And uh, it was popularized by the musicians in the Congo. They start singing about Europe, singing about uh, you know Belgium, France, things like that. So, and most of my generation uh, start fleeing Mobutu's regime because every protest organized by young people, uh, particularly the students, was attacked by the police, by the army. Not the police, by the army. Mobutu would send the army and they shoot uh, students and something like that. And uh, I end up uh, leaving, uh, being uh, in France uh, in, uh, in the 80s. And most of us went to France, went to Belgium. And... Uh, what we did not know, if you come to Europe, uh, you have to sort out your residency. And the residency uh, was a big thing because we didn't have uh, legal entry. I would say the, the leaders in Europe didn't invite us to come to Europe. We came to Europe. And therefore, to be in Europe, you have to be a refugee. And most of my generation are generation basically of refugees. And that's why I end up uh, basically uh, uh, in Europe, fleeing Mobutu and becoming a refugee. We didn't even know that was our right to be a refugee. And we should have, have the benefit of being a collective group of refugees. No. Well, they colonized the DHOIs. You have to apply individually. And they will reject our applications. And many of many, many of, of our people, my generation, life was life was uh, were destroyed. Because they didn't have the residency, they didn't know what to do. People committed. I've got a friend of mine who went to school, classmate, who committed suicide because he, you know I, uh, he couldn't get his papers. You're illegal and things like that. So you know that's basically the early experience I encountered in Europe, and uh, that's why I ended up uh, uh, in England with some you know, and uh, where definitely I got this uh, immigration status, refugee status. You know, the rest basically. It's a big story. So, yeah, that's, you know, some of the things I, I, I can say, uh, you know, about my background, you know, as a young person uh, from Congo, and I ended up in Europe. 
Uhuru, thank you. Thank you, Secretary General Wazey. And that is so moving and powerful what you're talking about in terms of your life and the life of African people following the U.S. counterinsurgency against the struggle for one united Africa. And I hope that actually that we can do another show just on this and like the whole yeah. implication of, yeah, what who Patrice Lumumba was in Congo and just what Mobutu represented, you know, just to go into all of that and, and how the lives of African people in Congo, but throughout Africa are profoundly affected by the assassination of Lumumba today. Um, And I really appreciate that. And just to just to talk about our theme today, which is not unrelated to what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. that right now the eyes of the world are on the fierce struggle of Palestinian people um, against U.S. backed settler state of Israel. And really the vast majority of the people of this planet stand with the heroic people of of Palestine, struggling for their freedom and independence. And recently, uh, there was a United Nations vote calling for Mm -hmm. Israel to agree to a ceasefire with the United States being one of the very few countries in the world that voted against it. And so this question of colonialism is raging right now. The right of oppressed people to freedom, independence, and self-determination. Yep. You know, just primarily the whole question of Africa and mm-hmm. the ongoing fierce struggle for African liberation. And not too far from occupied Palestine is another grouping of struggles raising the colonial question. The struggles that few people in the U.S. are not talking, a few people are talking about. And struggles that are going on right now in the Sahel region of Africa, and many of these struggles revolved around the fight to be free of French colonialism, French colonial domination, but also, of course, the U.S. Mm -hmm. and Britain. But France was the second largest imperial power in the world, second only to the British Empire. First of all, could you just tell us a little bit about what countries were and are still uh, economically and politically dominated by French colonialism in Africa and also around the world. Yes, uh, the domination of um, so-called Francophone Africa, that's how it's known. And they are, I'm not sure who coined this phrase, France-Afrique. Generally speaking, people, instead of saying French colonialism, they say France-Afrique. To me, the, the colonial association between France and, and Africa, everyone goes it like that. And then every mobilization in Africa, uh, particularly electoral elections, uh, most of the Africans are demanding that France Africa must end, that relationship must end. So it's, a, it's not a new demand, you know, and uh, we remember. Sekou in 1958, uh, when General de Gaulle, the uh, French colonial leader, was trying to reform France because he understood, as Aaron Macmillan said, there is a window of change blowing over Africa that nobody can stop. So he tried to uh, reform uh, France, uh, French colonialism, to introduce colonialism in Africa, and he created what they call a, co- a community of uh, Africa and France. And uh, there should be uh, a referendum in every colony. And uh, Sekou Touré in Guinea in 1958 voted no. He was the only one who voted no. In Niger, the force who was, who was organizing for no was attacked and uh, killed. The government was destroyed before even they get consolidated themselves. But in Guinea, Sekou Touré led the struggle to say no. And the goal responded, I mean, with such... Uh, uh, Barbary, I would say, uh, with such violence, he withdrew all French administrators overnight. Can you imagine? All French administrators withdrawn from uh, Guinea and uh, all infrastructures 
they sabotage everything. They could sabotage uh, to make sure Secretary is incapable uh, to run uh, the country and all resources to Guinea for administration for stopped. And, and they go say, I'll oh, see how you will run Guinea now with uh, uh, France support. Because Guinea said no to the domination of Africa, uh, you know, by French colonizers. So the scheme that came from that referendum that Guinea rejected is France Africa uh, through the CFR currency, which meant basically all these, there are 14 countries plus the uh, Como Island in a so-called uh, Indian Ocean, that makes it 15. That every economic transaction, every single one, a minimum, a minimum at the time it was 75%, then it was reduced later on, I'm not sure which year, to 50%. A minimum of 50, 75% must be kept in France's bank. They used to call it, uh, uh, the word in France, uh, in French would be a, uh, uh, you know, say, a operating uh, bank. Operating accounts, uh, accounts, uh, something like that, but, it, but it's, it's basically a form of, of a bank. And uh, Africans, if they want to have access to their own money, they will borrow from France. And France will give us the money at the highest rate. Mm -hmm. Of wow. course, France lend that money to anybody around the world. Mm -hmm. Is unbelievable. Yeah. It's just, yeah. The first time I read it, it was like in 91. I bought a book written by an uh, African scholar. And uh, I read it. I said, this is like a fiction. Mm -hmm. But it was no science fiction. It was colonialism in action. You know? And I couldn't believe it. And uh, then you have uh, banking institutions created by, uh, by, by the French rulers uh, to control uh, the West African countries and also the Central African countries. So you have one bank for the Central African countries, another bank for the West African countries. And the West African countries will be Mali, Niger, uh, Burkina Faso, Côte d'Ivoire, Senegal, uh, Benin, and Togo. And the Central African country will be Cameroon, Congo Brazzaville, uh, Gabon, Chad, and Bangui and the South African Republic. Now, in each of these banking institutions, the French has the right uh, to veto any decision. And they sit in the executive committee of those banks. I'm not sure what's, what's the status today, because I have no way checked that for sometimes. But that uh, it was set up, that's how it functioned. And uh, the currencies used in Central Africa, which is the same currency, the same name, same currency, cannot be used in West Africa. So if I take you, if you take your CFA uh, franc from Senegal, you go to Gabon, you cannot use it by the same currency. Wow. You cannot use it. So, and also the French can decide when to devalue the CFA French franc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And they did so in uh, 1999, I think it was, or 1993. But I wrote an article about it. It could be 1993. Yeah. It's, uh, people can Google it. Well, you, if you go to the Banning Spear uh, uh, website, Banning Spear newspaper website, you can Google that article. It should be there. And uh, it's unbelievable. Overnight, they devalued this currency, this colonial currency, used in Africa for the benefit of France by 50%. We only know, we only talked about some of the benefit France gets from that currency. Then they have the audacity to devalue the currency by 50%, which means that not only before the devaluation, France was buying African material cheaply already, since they control the currency, but now they devalue it by 50%, which means everything cost 50% less than what it cost before. And this is one of the source of a contribution of destabilization of African economy, African societies, which, you know, and the consequence is basically the immigration. You see young people fleeing Africa, coming to the US, going to Canada, coming to Europe. This 
control of the CFA Frank by French colonizers is one of the sources that are chasing right. young people out uh, uh, of Africa. And uh, any presidents in Africa who tries to change that status quo was assassinated. Mm-hmm. The president of Mali, Mali, which is resisting today, his name is Modi Bokeita. He was deposed in a French-backed uh, coup in 1966. I think it was, I'm not sure the year now. And uh, he was put in prison by the French uh, puppet, uh, Moussa Traore. And uh, Modi Bokeita died uh, in prison. So that's one uh, person. And uh, in fact, the first person to die was the president of Togo. His name is uh, Sylvanus Olympio. Sylvanus Olympio, that's O-L-Y-M-P-I-O, Sylvanus Olympio. He was the first president of uh, the neocolonial of Togo, but he realized that he cannot run the country. He cannot, mm-hmm. since he was an economist himself, he cannot have a decent economy, even if it's a neocolonial economy, if he does not control the currency of the country. So he took the decision to leave the France far and create uh, a currency for the to- uh, for the Togo. And the French used one of the uh, soldiers, I must say one of the soldiers, one of the African soldiers which, uh, who worked for France against uh, the, the uh, Algerian Revolution and the Vietnamese Revolution. His name is uh, Etienne Eyadement. And the French used him to make a coup against the president, democratically elected, of, of, uh, of Togo in 63. And and uh, and they killed him, and they only killed him with the consp- uh, the complicity of the United States government, because right. Olympio was running away from the military to go where, to go to the U.S. embassy, which was not far away from his residency, and the U.S. embassy refused to let him in. Oh, one more thing I can say: uh, African countries, when they sell anything or to buy anything, it must go through France. All transactions must go through France. Mm-hmm. And if they want to buy uh, equipment, like uh, weapons, anything, France has priority over any other competitor. Mm-hmm. That's why there was a war in Ivory Coast, because Laurent Babo said, let's invite everybody. Let's Whoever has capital to come to Ivory Coast, come in. You, France, stay. Babo didn't say France leave Cote d'Ivoire. I say you stay, but other people can come in too. France, you know, refused that. The, the fr- French leader refused that. Say no, 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 no. This is there is the word in France in French precaré. In English, we are backyards. So uh, France consider all these colonies as the backyard, the colonies. Basically, it's just not a way to cover colonialism as a mode of production by saying back yet, but it's colonialism as a mode of production. You know, yeah. You know, and of course, the assassinate, well, we'll talk about that later on, but I can't stop yet. Uhuru, this is so outrageous. And it is something that has to be forced onto the world because the, to say that colonialism has ended or that countries in Africa have independence is a complete lie. Obviously, from this, the fact that, as you're saying, just to be clear, 75% of all money created in the so-called Francophone countries goes to France into a bank account that benefits France, but not the people, and that this is 14 countries, and that's not even counting all of the resources that are plundered and stolen from those countries and the people. And it's just clearly a way that when we talk about, you know, that the colonizer, the colonizing nation, the white people live at the expense of African people. I mean, this is this is an absolutely incredible reality that is still there today. So thank you so much for, for bringing that out and talking yeah. to us about that. I think now they dropped it to 50%, but uh, as I said, I've not read about this stuff for a while. I don't know what is the status now. They're talking about 50% and 75%, but I'm not sure from when. 
Right. And this, this didn't like, this didn't come from France being this inherently, you know, rich state in Africa, you know, being inherently this oppressive economic control came from France being a brutal colonial state. And uh, can, can you just talk a little bit about uh, some of these, some of these genocidal crimes against humanity that, uh, that France committed against the African people? Yeah, as Chairman Penny uh, has said, uh, we can have another program just on the crime of genocide. <laughs> yeah, we may we may have to turn this into two episodes. Uh, but uh, we can talk of uh, a few ones. Uh, we can, uh, you know, if we start from uh, the Second World War, because this is is something that's used in the colonial narrative to project uh, United States and its allies as uh, forces fighting for freedom, uh, something like that, when reality is just uh, a war to control uh, the colonial mode uh, of of production. We divide the world among themselves. Uh, and uh, as you know, Soviet Union uh, was a problem uh, for them uh, in doing so. But the point I want to make is that France called or forced Africans, recruited Africans, in the French army to, def- to, to free France from the so-called Nazis, uh, occupation. That's how the France re- refers to Germany's control of France occupation. And they call on colonized who are themselves occupied to freedom. It just, it doesn't make sense, but that's what they did. Yeah. And, uh, not only Africans shed blood to free France when it came to celebrate uh, that victory, they removed African troops from most of the cities in France, where they fought and died to free France from from Germans. Mm-hmm. Now, when they sent those Africans, in fact, when they had a, a victory parade in Paris, you couldn't see black troops in in uh, in Saint-Denis. You couldn't see them. When in reality. We were the one in the uh, in the front line, you know. And uh, the point I'm making here is that they send the African soldiers. They used to call them tirailleurs senegalais. Senegalais to means from Senegal, but it's not like that. It's all Africans. Instead of calling them Africans, they call them Senegalese. So they talk, they call Africans from Benin, uh, from uh, Togo. Uh, Excuse me. From all over uh, French colonies. So they call them tirailleurs Senegalais. Tirailleurs comes from the word uh, to shoot, tirer, to shoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they send them uh, in one of the uh, barracks in Senegal. And those Africans, they were demanding uh, for their pay as a, that was due to them for participating in the war. And uh, other kind of uh, equal treatment uh, demand. I don't know if I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm doing this. The windows are shut. So I shouldn't be. And uh, the French refused. But the response of the French leaders in 1945, I think it was, or 1944, I think 45 it was, I'm, I should check the, the year. They sent troops to kill, to shoot on African soldiers, unarmed, just demanding to be paid for fighting to free France. And this is known as the Tiaroye Massacre. Uh, I have to spell it. It's T-H-I-A-R-O-Y-E. T-H-I-A-R-O-Y-E, the Tiaroye massacre. And the French said they killed at least 70 people and uh, several hundred wounded. I watched a film done by uh, African seniors, Usimbe, uh, Usman, uh, I think his name was. I couldn't believe what I saw. Such uh, mm-hmm. cowardness, I mean, it's just unbelievable. You should see it. 
you know, there's a film about it. I'm not sure if it is subtitled in, in, in English or not. So that's one massacre. Uh, there is a massacre that took place in Madagascar in 1947. We're talking just two years after the so-called World War. The Africans rose up, they're demanding for uh, independence, self-rule, self-determination. And the French replied with massacres. And uh, we're talking of a minimum, according to uh, statistics, 20,000 to 100,000 people were killed. They put Africans on a train, on a carriages, uh, on a train, and close all the carriages and shoot through the carriages. It's, uh, I mean, when you read this, you say, yes. is that real? Colonial massacres? You hear what the Israeli the, uh, colonizers are doing in Palestine? They're exactly the same thing the French were doing uh, in Africa. So these, uh, in 1947, and in Algeria, on the 8th of May, 1945, uh, Franz Fanon talks about it. There is what they call the Setif Massacre in Algeria. Uh, the uh, Algerian uh, sources talk of 45,000 people massacred. This France, who was telling the world, telling Africans, come join me and free France from German occupation. And we're talking of the war just ended. Or oh, a couple of days before it ended, I'm not sure when the war ended in 95, I don't remember now. But the French have the audacity to kill 45,000 people in Algeria. And we have, of course, uh, the massacre in Cameroon. You know, in Africa, in the 50s, throughout the early 60s, you had uh, three armed resistance that shook the colonizers. The Mao Mao in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Starting from like 1951, 1952. Then you have the uh, FLN, the Front de Liberation Nationale of uh, Algeria, starting in 1955. And then you have the UPC, starting almost at the same time, the Union of People of Cameroon, you know, late 50s, early 60s. And the French in Cameroon killed between 60,000 and 120,000 people. They use napalms to burn villages, to kill people. There's a documentary about that. Uh, the French soldiers who participated in that spoke, you know, testifying with how terrible it was. This Cameron. And uh, we're not talking about how many people the French killed in Algeria. We're talking for one million. This one figure, you know, and uh, forcing uh, Macron to say, over the let me believe it, to say that colonialism was a crime against humanity. He was forced to say that, mm-hmm. but there is no practical implication. Right. You know, it's just winning, uh, you know, uh, uh, a political statement just to win uh, sympathy or something like that, but not uh, to win uh, French people to pay reparation for the crimes committed by French colonials. Nothing to do uh, with that. Then we can talk about uh, forced labor, where French killed, we don't even know the number, but we just know in Congo Brazzaville, just to build the railway, uh, a short distance uh, between Pointe Noire and uh, Brazzaville, the capital. Pointe Noire is where is the port at the sea, and Brazzaville is more uh, inside uh, our city. We're talking of 30,000 people. Uh, People killed just in the forced labor, just for that operation. And if we begin to take everything else, you know, uh, we're not even talking about what they did in Haiti or Martinique and Guadeloupe, right? We're not talking about yet what they did in Caledonia, where the French attacked the National Liberation Movement in Caledonia, that assassinated in the 80s. I remember that very well. They assassinated the person they accused of being radical. Eloi Machero, they killed him. And then a couple of years later, they assassinated the person they presented as a moderate in opposition to Eloi Machero. That's Jean-Marie Chibau. Assassinated him too. That's under the leadership of François Mitterrand and Jacques Chirac. The same people killed Thomas Sankara. Right. So, as I said, the history of French massacres, 
you know, to send virtue, captured and put in jail uh, in a freezing condition. So he was frozen uh, to death, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, in uh, October 1961, October 1961, there was a demonstration in the middle of Paris mm -hmm. of uh, Af Northern Africans, basically, uh, from Algeria in support of the struggle for national liberation in Algeria. Mm -hmm. 200 people. That's what the, the news, uh, newspapers report these days. 200 people were, at, uh, were beaten and, draw, um, and thrown overboard to the French rivers. Uh, it's called Seine River. So they died, drowned, most of them, beaten, and that's by the police. And, uh, and one of the two, the police, uh, I forgot his name. I think it's Papon, I think it's his name. He was known as a German collaborator, mm -hmm. you know, during the French occupation, but he was the chief of police. So he continued to, you know. Uh, so, yeah, this is 1961, you know, in October. Talking about 200 people like that. So the list is long. They are massacres they committed in a conquest of uh, Niger or Burkina or Mali, mm -hmm. all these, uh, some, of, some of these uh, massacres are documented because the uh, colonists, the captain, they wrote about what they did. It's just unbelievable. If you read those stories, you know, I have them somewhere, but uh, this is not a story. So these are some of the things we can say. Yes, we were. Oh, Thank you so much for laying that out. Yeah. And I just want to say that any white person from France, from Europe, from the United States, or Israel as the colonizer has to look at this reality because yeah. there is a direct relationship to us. This is what we live on. This is what white people you know, experience when the chairman talks about the colonial mode of production. It means that everything that we have is dripping in the blood of African people and not something long ago. This still goes on. This still goes on. And it is it is profound. And this all of this is covered over. And this is not covered, you know, very minimally in the major newspapers and, and media of the United States at all. And this is this is incredible information that we all have to take responsibility for. Yeah, that we have a relationship to it. The dialectic that the chairman, Chairman O'Malley Chatilla, is talking about with this understanding of the colonial mode of production that requires the colonizer and the colonized. And just um, as Secretary General Lazy, you know, just along with the crimes that you are enumerating, which is just the tip of the iceberg. I do understand that. But we also know about France's role, along with the U.S., in the brutal assassination of Gaddafi. If you could just say something about that as well. The assassination of... Uh... Of Muammar Gaddafi. Oh, yeah, Muammar Gaddafi. Yes, this uh, is... Uh, it was just like it was yesterday. You know, uh, we watched the... Uh, the, the video uh, they put in YouTube, uh, which is uh, outrage, uh, which is, uh, I mean, it's just uh, despicable uh, to do anything like that. Uh, you might like Gaddafi or not like Gaddafi, but uh, for Africans, you put Gaddafi there and you put all these French puppets, they'll choose Gaddafi. Uh, Libya, uh, played uh, a role, uh, although it was uh, class-based because Gaddafi represented the sector of, of the radical, to a certain extent, uh, uh, Pedi Bourgeoisie uh, in Africa. And uh, he believed in a unification of Africa, but from above. Mm -hmm. But which is not true. The African president, we're not going to unite Africa. It's not in their interest. So he couldn't see that, he couldn't understand that. Only people's movement uh, led by our party, basically, uh, he can uh, you know do something like that. 
So you have to appeal to the African working class to be organized and play its historical role, uh, capture power and remove any other social force as leadership uh, uh, of uh, African continent. And Gaddafi couldn't see that. But Gaddafi uh, was opposed to uh, Zionism in Palestine. He was a great supporter of that, of uh, anti-occupation uh, uh, of Palestine. And Gaddafi made uh, resources available uh, to many groups, uh, many will be opportunist groups, uh, pretending to fight uh, uh, you know, for freedom uh, in Africa like that. We know many people, we know many groups, we know children of personalities who got money, things like that from Gaddafi, but that's another story. But the point is, Gaddafi, uh, in the last years of his rule, was putting this idea of uh, unification of Africa, Africa to have its own currency, and they will call it uh, uh, Dina or something like that, but will be in the gold, because Africa has a lot of gold. And, uh, and that's the threat to dollar, that Africans having their own currency, uh, that currency be backed up by gold that Africa has in abundance. That's the threat to euro. That's the threat to any colonial currency yeah, in Africa. Uh, Gaddafi uh, intervened. They say Africa doesn't have any communication satellite that allows Africans to access each other through uh, uh, satellite. So we used to go through France or other imperialist uh, satellite. And we've, you know, we've paid a lot of money if you're in Mali, you want to talk to someone who is in uh, Congo or, or Namibia, you go through the colonizers' satellites and they they take plenty of money from you. And Gaddafi said Libya can provide a satellite for all African communication, and he did, and which uh, cut down the cost of communication for many people in Africa. He just wanted concrete things uh, Gaddafi was, was doing. And uh, many Africans couldn't find employment in their uh, respective colonies. So they went to Libya, where they got employment and paid well above the average rate they would get in their own countries. People came from Mali, from Senegal, from everywhere. You know, and Gaddafi provided all that. But uh, also, Gaddafi intervened in Europe, like in French elections. There is a great uh, suspicion that Gaddafi bankrolled uh, the president of France uh, election, uh, Nicolas uh, Sarkozy. Mm. And uh, so Nicolas Sarkozy had a personal interest, not just strategic interest for France to steal the wealth of Libya, but personal interest to stop Gaddafi from exposing whatever money he received from him uh, as part of the French elections. Mm. You know, and this is an ongoing problem uh, in France. Did he get money or not? But most of them know he did. Uh, and uh, Gaddafi also was a problem uh, for them because, uh, as I said, he believes in African unity. He believes uh, uh, somehow African having their own economy. So sometimes his position were clearly anti-colonial position. And uh, the imperialists, uh, you know, didn't like that. They want a malleable, a more pliable. They, they want just an everyday neo-colonial puppets just allowed the country to be sucked dry and things like that. But Gaddafi would not allow that. In fact, Gaddafi was involved in many development uh, programs, which would definitely uh, create more problems for the imperialist countries, you know, things like that. So it was clear. Uh, uh, one more thing also, uh, in terms of uh, dynamics within uh, the Muslim world, particularly among the Arab world, uh, you have countries like Saudi Arabia, uh, Emirates, United Emirates, Bahrain, all these countries where uh, there is a monarch as, as a leader, a uh, country led by uh, monarchies. They are fiercely opposed, fiercely, including uh, Morocco, opposed, or the CIs are uh, uh, known the French use the word laicity. I don't know if you say that in English. It means the leadership is no religious. Uh, the monarchy is no, it, the country is no ruled by monarchy, something like that. You know, and also religion is not is separate from the state, if you, you know, something like that. Say the word again. Uh, the religion and the state oh, are separated. What was the word that you said? Or oh, laicity. 
That's the L A R E I T Y. I think, or something. It's a and the French say it's not religious. Yes, I know that. Yeah, these are a direct consequence of the French Revolution. You know, so that's how Gaddafi is perceived. That's how Algeria is perceived. That's how also uh, all the countries basically in North Africa that didn't have a monarch uh, as a ruler were like considered as enemy. You know, and Gaddafi criticized this monarchy uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. So they also uh, ganged up with the United States, with NATO, all of them to attack Gaddafi. And that's why at the, uh, the, uh, the uh, Qatar, the United Arab, the Saudi, all of them supported the overthrow of Gaddafi. You know, and as you know, NATO uh, planes uh, identified Gaddafi's convoy. Uh, they, you know, they shoot them uh, from the air. They they captured Gaddafi. He was alive uh, after that attack, but the forces on the ground, the so-called uh, jihadist forces. Uh, who worked with the uh, NATO, with the imperialists, with the colonized, they worked together. Uh, they had a common enemy, uh, you know, the regime of Gaddafi. They captured him alive and executed him. It was an execution because they could have, uh, you know, put him in prison, anything like that. They assassinated his sons uh, also, and they killed over 100,000 people. And they stole, we don't know even how many, what's the amount exactly stolen? Because I remember when the war started, the currencies of uh, Libya printed from England are uh, supposed to be shipped to Libya. And the United States, the UK government said, no, we will not ship this currency. They, they stopped here. And uh, we have all this asset uh, in many uh, companies throughout Europe. Gaddafi invested Libyan money in many companies throughout Europe. All this money captured, you know, and Libya does not have access to that. We're talking of a hundred and hundred of billion old dollars. We're talking of oil being siphoned from Libya, you know, right now by all these different companies. We couldn't do it if Gaddafi was there, you know, and yeah. It is absolutely, it it is such a crime, these crimes against African people. And it's almost, I don't have words for it. I mean, it's just beyond... You know, and, and it's so covered over or, you know, it's so easy for white yeah. people sitting on the pedestal to ignore this, to say this, oh, too bad, this is some, something very far away. Yeah. Uh, but the struggle goes on. Yeah. Um, we just and have- you know, and they cover it up by saying Gaddafi the dictator, Gaddafi yeah. the dictator, Gaddafi yeah. kings own people. Show us the massacres Gaddafi has committed. These are the pretext they use, isn't it? They say he was about to commit mass murder. Why? Right. It was just propaganda. Nobody's more dictator than the leaders of colonial motor production. You can't be greater dictators than the United States president, the French president, the UK prime minister. The one who dictate to the world, to the majority of the world, how the world should be conducted, what the prices of the labor should be, and so on. We should, you know, who is a freedom fighter, who is not, etc., etc. You know. Yes, Uhuru, and we're we're coming to the end of our time, but I would like us to be able to to do a part two on this, and maybe more than that because there's so much more to be able to say. Series. Um, This is this is so profound. um, Just this information and to understand, you know what what colonialism really means. It means violence. It means starvation. Yeah. It means theft. It means degradation of peoples, and it it means genocide. Yeah. Genocide yeah. is a component of colonialism, and that's yes. the struggle that we're seeing Indeed. in occupied yeah. Palestine. And the only answer is total and complete destruction of the colonial mode of production and. And the total ability of African people and oppressed and colonized people to their land, their resources, their society, their superstructure, you know, everything. Everything. And I I just, you know, we this has been really, really powerful to be able to to speak with you today, Secretary General Wazy Kinshasa. And I would just like to see if you have 
a few words in closing. Yeah. First of all, I just want to thank you uh, for inviting me. It's always a privilege to be in any platform of the Uber movement as the uh, revolutionary movement of our, of our time. And uh, also, I just want to unite with uh, what the chairman has been saying uh, for uh, for many years, uh, that uh, there is only one world economy. And uh, every struggle that takes place anywhere has an impact on the whole world. And uh, Africa is a part of the world, not only is a part of the world, colonial motor production was born there. And uh, anybody who wants to change uh, the world has to unite with the demand of uh, the African People's Socialist Party that the colonial mode of production has to be dismantled, brick by brick, wall by wall. It has to be dismantled. And uh, the way you can do it, if you're white, is to join Solidarity Force so you take responsibility. It's not good enough to say you're informed, you're educated, you know what's going on, you're conscious. Yeah. No, you have to be an acting force, an acting force mm -hmm. to end colonialism as a mode of production. That is the role of someone who's in unity, uh, not just with Africa, but who definitely has taken decision to end once for colonialism as a mode of production, which is the original sin, the number one problem humanity is facing. Yes. Uh, so that's basically uh, where we are. So I'll profoundly uh, say thank you to you, comrade, for having me here. And uh, so look forward to the next program. Yes. Thank you so much again. And we will do this again. There is so much more to talk about. And we appreciate you coming on, Secretary General Luwezi Kinshasa, a leader of the African Socialist International. Absolutely. And and thank you for, for joining today, Chairwoman Penny Hess and Secretary General Luisi Kinshasa. Thank you so much for being here with us today, uh, laying you. out this crucial and, and ongoing struggle for the liberation and unification of Africa and the return of its stolen resources and a, and a salute to you and, and the work you do. Uh, and then to our listeners, join us next time for White Lies Shattered by Reparations in Action. Reparations now. This has been an episode of Reparations in Action, a biased podcast of white solidarity with black power. My name is Jamie Simpson. We'd like to thank our team of volunteers. Our sound engineer is Aaron Loss, who also composes our theme music. Our research coordinator is Alex Pletcher. Reparations in Action is produced by Penny Hess, Jesse Neville, and Lisa Watson from the Black Power 96 studio in St. Petersburg, Florida. A shout out to Burning Spear media director Akile Anayi, as well as Black Power 96, WBPU LP St. Petersburg, and the station manager, Mr. Eddie Maltzby. If you like what you've heard today, you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate this podcast. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or if you would like to join our volunteer team, you can email us at ria at blackpower96.org. That's ria at blackpower96.org. A special thanks to Chairman Omalia Shatella and the African People's Socialist Party, without whose relentless leadership and theory of African internationalism, none of the understandings presented on reparations in action would be possible.